Several weeks ago, we began a study of last things under the broad heading of eschatology. The PowerPoint's not working today, so you need to follow along closely in your Bible. If you can, try to keep up with me. Last things include death, your last day. Your last day may come before the last day of the end times. And so if it does, what's going to happen to you? So we talked about death as when the soul leaves the body. And then we said, we looked at that passage of scripture from Hebrews that says, it is appointed unto man once to die and after that. Well, there's an after that. There's an after, after death. There's a judgment. And a person either is going to spend eternity, begin to spend eternity. They're going to be with God, conscious with God in a place of comfort, or conscious, separated from God in a place of torment. Now, one of the things that we said was that is an interim judgment awaiting the final judgment uh, of the last times. And so we'll talk more about that when we get there. I remind you, today we're going to talk about, by the way, the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead. And when we talk about the resurrection of the dead, it does not imply that the dead are not now living. We made that case their bodies are dead, but their souls are alive and conscious. And in this interim between now and the last days of the last day, those souls are either experiencing, as we said, comfort in the presence of the Lord or torment separated from the Lord. Now, we talked about the only place in the Bible where the term end time or end times is used is in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Daniel speaks of the resurrection in these terms, the resurrection of the dead. He says about that end time that it will be a time of distress uh, such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, some to everlasting life, but others to everlasting disgrace and contempt. So just to show you that this concept of the resurrection of the dead is found in the Old Testament, but made clearer in the New Testament. So what we see in the book of Daniel is not an awakening of souls. Souls are not being awakening. It is an awakening of bodies long buried, many long forgotten. But this is something the Bible says will happen in the Old Testament. Also, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, it will happen. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. This is what Jesus said about the resurrection of the body. He said, an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Well, why do we talk about such things? Why is this so important? Well, it's an important Christian doctrine, the resurrection of the body. As a matter of fact, what Jesus or what Paul said is if, there is no doctrine of the resurrection of the body. There is no salvation. 
Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 18. He said, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So I'm just laying this out that before we begin, it's a vital Christian doctrine. Now, we're going to answer four questions this morning quickly. Number one, which dead will be raised? Are there some that will and some that won't? Number two, when are the dead raised? Number three, why are the dead raised? And number four, what does the Bible tell us about the resurrection body? Number one, which dead are raised? Are there some of them raised and some of them not? Are, are all of them raised? Well, the Bible teaches that there will be a general resurrection of all the dead. And I'm going I'm to show you that but it will be a divided resurrection. Now, according to Jesus, it's divided, as we've already read, according to the character of a person's life. Some will be raised to a resurrection of life, and some will be raised to a resurrection of judgment. And that word judgment also means separation, condemnation, and damnation. So in a sense, there is one resurrection with two distinct outcomes, and those outcomes will not be different than those imposed at that judgment after a person dies. We said it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment, that judgment is a time of waiting until the final judgment, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the idea of judgment. But let me look, show you Acts chapter 24, beginning to read in verses 14 through verse 16, when Paul talks about this general divided resurrection. Paul says, but I admit this to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, he's speaking to Jews, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God that these men cherish themselves. He was talking about his accusers. He said, these men who are accusing me, they have this same hope that I have, that there shall certainly be a resurrection both of the righteous and of the wicked. And Paul said, in view of this, because of that, I try to keep a good conscience before God. Now, that's a, a resurrection that is a divided resurrection between those who are lost and those who are saved. That's going to take place according to Scripture. Now, in the book of Revelation... It seems that there are 
the resurrection itself is divided between a first resurrection and a second resurrection. Let me read this passage to you and give a quick explanation. Revelation chapter 20, beginning to read in verse 4 through verse 6. John said, Then I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Remember, we mentioned those last week in chapter 6, the souls under the altar who were praying. They were not asleep. They were not dead. They were very much alive, and they were praying, and they were asking God how long it would be until they were justified in what had happened to them until there was some recompense or reconciliation for the, for, for the whole process of what they had been through. And God said, just wait a little longer until your brothers who are yet to be killed are killed. The souls that had been beheaded, he says here, because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead, they came to life. Well, they didn't, the souls didn't come to life. That's not what, he, the souls were already living. He's talking about their body. He said they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. He said this is the first resurrection. He said blessed are those who have a part in the first resurrection over them, the second death has no power. You might say, what is the second death? Well, he says it on down in verse 14. He says the second death is the lake of fire. And that's so. We have two resurrections in uh, the book of Revelation, but we do have resurrection. Uh, they, the, it seems then, even though there are two in the book of Revelation, it is a divided resurrection between those who are lost and those who are saved. Two completely different outcomes. So, we're answering one question. Which dead will be raised? We could have answered it with one verse. A verse we read earlier. John chapter 5, verse 28, where Jesus said, An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And he goes on to talk about the results of that Resurrection and the delineation between where one will be and where the other will be. So, now number two, when will the dead be raised? When is this going to happen? Well, one of the things that's important when you look at Scripture and you look at these concepts about things that relate to last things is that you be true to the Bible and not true to some scheme that somebody lays over the Bible and says, well, this is how it's supposed to happen. Don't ever do that. Let the Bible speak for itself. So we're just going to let the Bible speak. Specifically, we're just going to let Jesus speak. So what did Jesus say? Well, in John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40, Jesus said, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to, be, to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all he has given me, I lose nothing, but I will raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up 
on the last day. Verse 44 of the same chapter, John chapter 6. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Same chapter, verse 54. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, apparently, Jesus taught that. This last day, the resurrection is going to take place on the last day. And if you don't think he taught that with clarity, you go to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus when Lazarus died. Jesus comes after Lazarus is dead. He's been in the tomb four days. And Jesus said to her in John chapter 11, verse 23, he said, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Martha understood that Jesus said the resurrection would take place on the last day. Now, the last day, according to Jesus, that's when the resurrection takes place. Let's see what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23, Paul sets the time of the resurrection. He says, again, talking about the resurrection of the dead, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since... By a man came death. By a man also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits of the resurrection, and then those who are Christ's at his coming. The resurrection takes place at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. I didn't say that. We're just looking at the scripture. And then, if there's any question about that, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul gives us the time of the resurrection again. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And when he does, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. When did Jesus say this would happen? Jesus said it would happen on the last day. Paul said it would happen at the time of his coming. And Paul pictures the resurrection at that moment when the Lord descends from heaven in a great triumphant fashion as a victorious conqueror and deliverer. If you read that passage side by side with Daniel chapter 12, where Daniel said, those who are found written in the book will be rescued. And then those who sleep in the dust of the ground 
will awaken. Some to a resurrection of life and some to a resurrection of everlasting disgrace and everlasting content. They both pass, both passages say the same thing. Now, we're not establishing the time of the second coming, but the time of the resurrection. Now, why does all this matter? Why are the dead raised anyway? Why, why go to the trouble of raising the dead if people are already with the Lord, their souls are with the Lord? What's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. When God saved you, he didn't save part of you. He saved all of you. Salvation is not complete. It is incomplete until you are saved body, soul, and spirit. How do you divide, by the way, the soul and the spirit? How would you do that? What would you say is the difference between the soul and the spirit? How would you explain that? I'm not sure we can explain it. I'm not sure that we can make that division because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able and pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. God can do that. God can make that division, but you and I can't. Yet when the Bible talks about salvation and sanctification, it does so in terms of spirit, soul, and body. Let me read you a passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete and without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that could happen is if when Christ comes, there's some salvation for the body. And so the Bible talks about salvation for the body. What do we sing? We sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed in His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Well, is my soul redeemed or am I redeemed spirit, soul, and body? Well, look at Romans chapter 8 verses 22 and 23. Paul said, For we know that the whole creation, that's all the universe, everything that God has made, as far as the Webb, James Webb telescope can see and further things that we don't know anything about, the whole shebang groans together until now and suffers the pains of childbirth. Not only this, we also ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. That's the resurrection of the body. That's the translation of the body of those that are living. They'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But the redemption of the body, the resurrection of the body is, is an important doctrine. On the other hand, listen to what Jesus said. He said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, don't fear those who can kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, last week we talked about the bug zapper. We talked about the bug zapper of some who think that... Uh, 
judgment, punishment from God is some kind of annihilation where he just throws you up against a bug zapper and you're gone and that's it. That's not what this passage says. He says, when he says destroy the soul and the body, the word destroy in this passage is exactly the same Greek word that's found in John 3.16 that's translated perish. And it means given over to eternal misery. It is an eternal state of being, not the action of an instant. So for the believer, the redemption of the body is the completion of salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, remember Jesus said in the resurrection on the last day, Paul said it will be when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first when Christ comes. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death is destroyed through the resurrection of the body. So we've answered these questions, which dead will be raised? When are they raised? Why are they raised? Now the final question. What does the Bible tell us about the resurrection body? Well, first, the only thing we know about the resurrection body of an unbeliever is that it will be capable of experiencing the misery of separation from God and all that goes with it. Daniel said that it would be raised to everlasting contempt. The word contempt is a word that means abhorrence or something to which others have an aversion. So that leads us to believe that the resurrection body of the unbeliever will be as ugly as sin is ugly, an ugliness that is an abomination to God. You think of Lazarus. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Lazarus laid at his gate full of sores. Nobody would minister to him. Only the dogs would come and lick his sores. He was sort of an abomination. But then the tide was turned and he was seated with Abraham in a place of comfort and the rich man was in agony, in torment, and their roles were reversed. So I just used that as an illustration. But the body raised by Christ to be a redeemed body, Paul said it'll be an imperishable body. That means it won't be subject to age, illness, or decay. It'll be a glorious body, a body beyond present description or imagination. He said it'll be planted in weakness, but raised in power. It'll be a powerful body. You realize that the epic moment of human weakness, the epic moment of human weakness, is when the body gives up its struggle to live. When the person says, I can't take another breath, they take that last breath on their last day, and the soul leaves the body. But here, the resurrection will be the zenith of the body's power. It will be a spiritual, spiritual body fit for the realm it will inhabit for all eternity. For that reason, Paul goes on to say, it will be a heavenly body. So the dead will rise. Those who are Christ at his coming, the rest of the dead will rise as well. They'll come to life with a body fit for their eternal abode, fit for the ugliness of the place, and fit to endure the torment of the place. Now, to close, let me remind you that some of us are looking at our, at our own end out there. We're looking toward the end of the road. 
Maybe you have an illness. We have some people listening today who are in the nursing home. We have some people listening at home today who aren't able to come to church, and they realize that their time is short. They don't have a lot of life left. That's just a fact. They know that. But let me tell you what this, these scriptures are telling us. Their, these scriptures are telling us that there is hope beyond the most hopeless moment in a person's life. Do you realize that? The most hopeless moment in a person's life is when they don't have any more breath to live and they're just gone. But they're not gone. Paul said to depart this life and to be with Christ is far better. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. For some people, that happens initially when the soul leaves the body, and that person goes home to be with the Lord until the Lord returns to reclaim their body. And those souls will come with Jesus and those bodies will rise up out of the ground and the rest of us will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible tells us. We have hope beyond the most hopeless times in our lives. We always have hope in Jesus. Don't ever lose hope. Don't ever give up. And today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you see why you need to, because Jesus wants to save you from this life and its problems and its predicaments and its future. There's more beyond. It is appointed unto man once to die. That's going to happen to all of us. But there's an after that, and you need to be thinking about what will happen to you after that. Let's pray.